Good morning. Thank you. I, I, I feel loved. I feel like you've invested some love to me this morning. It's awesome. Thank you for that. Hey, thank you guys so much for, for hanging out with us today. Uh, like Cameron said, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm, I'm happy and excited to, to introduce you guys today to our first message in a new series that we're calling The Dog Days of Summer. Now, when we decided to, to, to build a, a message series around that idea, I had to go and do some official research as to what it means for something to be a, a dog day, right? So I went to the, uh, to the world's official source of information as it pertains to the definition of words, the dictionary. I went to Merriam-Webster and I found out that dog days has, has two definitions, and here they are. Number one, Dog day is defined as the period between early July and early September when the hot, sultry weather of summer usually occurs in the northern hemisphere. That's where we live. All right, so, uh, so that's number one. So hot days, they're hot, right? Anybody else hot? We talked about Poolapalooza in two weeks. We're excited because it's hot. We're looking for a little bit of relief. And then the second definition of dog days is this. It's a period of stagnation or inactivity. Y'all? That definition has defined my summer to this point. Like, it got hot. My wife is a, is a kindergarten teacher, so she's out for the summer. My kids are home for the summer. And we are completely off of routine. We stay up way too late. We get up way too late. And every other thing seems that when my routine is off, every other thing gets off as well. My diet is off. Like, I'm just sitting in the couch. I'm eating. Anybody else just eat all day when you ain't got nothing else? Like you just sit and it's like, you know, it's been 15 minutes since I had something. I should probably go get something to eat. And then after I eat, maybe I get something to eat. And after I eat, we can all go out to eat. Right? That's, that's kind of how my summer is going. So as my, as my summer gets elongated, so does my waistline. Right? Like everything is growing for me right now. And in the midst of, of my, my routine being off and staying up later and getting up later and my kids not going to school and they're at the house and, you know, like everything feels off. And in the midst of that, my, 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 my time in Scripture, the me time that we talk about doing together, my me time is off because I typically do that in the time that, like, I, after I drop my daughter off for school and before my, before my other daughter goes off to school, like, that's my little time. I got a little window, like about a half hour in there where I typically do my, my me time with the time that I study Scripture. And as part of that is my, my prayer time. So, like, I read Scripture and then I pray through Scripture like we taught you guys a few weeks ago to do. Like, I, like I, I do all of that in my, and it's in my routine. And now that my routine is off, my, my spiritual life, my, my faith journey, the things that I do every day to maintain a, a good, solid connection between myself and my heavenly Father, all of that stuff is off. And I can't help but wonder if maybe that's true for you too. And your kids, if you've got them, are at home now and I mean, you heard Cameron say that he and his wife are our teachers. Maybe some of you that have a, your schedule changes a little bit during the summer and your child care is a little different. And maybe in these dog days of summer, you feel like you're in a period of stagnation or inactivity because everything just kind of seems just a little off. So I thought what we would do, since that's, that's sometimes or, or, or maybe most of the time the case for, for days like summer, where we're in these dog days where the days are long and it's hot and you don't feel like doing anything and your routine maybe is a little bit different, that we would spend some time focusing in on the reasons that, that we do the things that we do, like read our Bible and pray, and the, the reasons that we serve uh, the, this, this God that we say we believe in as Christians. And so we want to spend some time over the next several weeks 
reminding ourselves of the things that Jesus told us to remind ourselves of because those are the things that are most important as it pertains to our spiritual journey and maintaining that, that good, healthy connection between ourselves and our Heavenly Father. And so today we're going to talk about baptism because we know that baptism is a reminder and we're going to talk about all the things that it reminds us of. Next week we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper or communion or Eucharist or what are the other, all the other names that you've heard it called. It's got a few titles, but we're going to talk about what the Lord's Supper means and why we should honor that. And then the last week of the series, we're going to look at why and how we worship. Because I think in a time where we could be stagnated or inactive, that this is a good time to remember the reasons that we do all of the things that are most important to us. And we don't, even if we, our schedule gets a little bit mixed up, these things that fit into our schedule and our routine are still important. And we need to make the time and find the time and plan and schedule and, and allow time to maintain that connection with our Heavenly Father. So like I said, today we're going to talk about baptism. And that's one of my favorite events that we do here at Fusion City Church. I get really excited about baptism. We've got one coming up, I think, in September uh, is the day. I didn't look to see exactly what date we have it. But we're going to do some baptisms again in September. And I hope that after we talk about it a little bit today, and as you pray through and think about that, if you haven't been baptized, man, we can make that happen in September. Because baptism is a really big deal, as a matter of fact. Jesus, after he had been crucified, after he had resurrected, and he's hanging out with his disciples shortly before he ascends into heaven, his, his parting words, his parting commands to these men that he was going to entrust that the growth and the leadership of the church as we know it today in the early stages, these men that he's getting ready to entrust with this, he gives them some, some parting words and some commands, and he says this. We know this as the great commandment. I'm sorry, the great commission. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, there's our word, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is Jesus' parting commands. Go, make disciples and baptize them, and I'm going to be with you when you do it. And that's exactly what they did. Well, we read in the book of Acts how the, the, the disciples, the apostles, they're, they're waiting because Jesus told them to go back to Jerusalem and wait. And so they go back to Jerusalem and they're waiting. And the Holy Spirit comes and, and fills them up. And they, they get all excited. They begin talking in languages that they've never had the opportunity to learn. People are looking on and they're looking at, at these apostles and they see them talking. And they're like, dude, aren't, these, aren't all these guys from like Galilee or something? Like how are they speaking languages that I can understand? This is crazy. Maybe they're drunk. Like everybody's even trying to figure out like what is going on with these guys? Are they... Are they day drinking? Like, what is going on with these dudes? And then finally, in the midst of all this, this power and the Holy Spirit filling up the apostles and people looking on and even starting to mock them and all kinds of crazy stuff, Peter steps up. Like, Mr. Coward, just a, a few weeks ago, Mr. Coward, who wouldn't even uh, confess Christ before uh, a, little, a little girl who says, hey, don't you know Jesus? He's like, no, nah, I don't know Jesus. Now this dude that was shying away from a little girl just a few weeks ago steps up. and He's like, hey. Y'all listen to here. I'm going to give y'all the Brian Southern paraphrase of Peter's sermon. Y'all ready for this? Peter says, hey, y'all listen here. Y'all know that Jesus guy who came and he did all these amazing works and miracles and signs proving that he was the son of God. Y'all remember him and all those crazy things he did? Y'all remember how you killed him? Remember how even though there was no denying that he was the son of God, that you still hung him up across, on a cross and crucified him and killed him? And then we put him in a tomb, and three days later, God raised him back up, and he showed up, and we all saw him. Like, you killed him. God raised him. We've seen him. Say you're sorry. Right? And then 
Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, it's funny, when you, when you find these little, little tidbits as you read through Scripture. Luke says, and he encouraged them with many more words. In other words, Peter got a little bit long-winded, and Luke got tired of writing it down. It's like, it was a really, really, really long sermon that Peter preached to these people that crucified Jesus. But in the end, this was their response, Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38. It says, now when they heard this, this is Peter's really long sermon, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter, I'm sorry, and they said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, brothers, what shall we do? Like, Peter, if, if what you're saying is true, if if, if he really was the son of God and, yeah, we crucified him and God has raised him. Like, w- what do we do now? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's skip down to verse 41. It says, so those who received his word. Stop. Those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I would love to preach a sermon one day where 3,000 people get saved. That would be awesome. I had not done it yet. Maybe one day. But that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to focus on is that those who received. You know what that means to me, what that says to me, or what, that we, what we can infer from that logically is that there were some who received and there were some that didn't. And the ones who did receive were what? Were baptized. Those who received his word were baptized. Other, other translations say those who accepted his word or those who believed his word. So those who accepted, those who believed, those who received Peter's words and believed them were baptized. So here's what I want our time today to, to, to center around this idea, and you can write this down if you're taking notes. Baptism is an identifier of those who believe. It identifies. It sets apart. It, it's a dividing line. Between those who do and those who don't. Those who believe and those who don't. It's, it's a dividing line. It much, we, we all appreciate the, the idea of, of things that identify, right? We, we, like these, we like things that are identifiers. For those of us that have our favorite brands of things, we identify them by their logo, right? I, when I go to the store and I grab a Pepsi, I know that when I drink a Pepsi, I'm not going to have my slimy teeth when I drink that sewer water called Coke, right? Like, you guys know this, right? You drink Coke, like grind your teeth together, they're slimy. That's because Coke sticks to your teeth. Pepsi, not so much. That's why I'm a Pepsi guy. I drink Pepsi, not Coke. And I can identify that because on the outside, I don't have to look at that nasty NC State red. I get the nice, you know, Pepsi blue. Like, I know the difference between Coke and Pepsi because they're identifiable by their logo. Same way, you go to the gas station, right, and you drive a gasoline vehicle. You know not to go grab the one that says diesel because diesel in your minivan, Jeremy Forstrom, won't run, right? <laughs> it, it's five years ago. Too soon? We, all right, we're good. All right, so like, that's the reason we know because when, when I grab something that's, that I identify by what it is, by its logo or by the declaration that's been made by what it is or what it's been notated as, then I have a, I have a level of expectation based on how 
It's identified. I know that if I grab a Pepsi, I'm not going to get Coke. I know that if I put diesel into my truck, it's not going to run very well. They're, They're identifiers. Baptism is the identifier of those who believe and those who maybe don't quite yet believe or still investigating or whatever. And with the identification of baptism, when you are baptized as a Christian follower of Christ, when you are baptized, it comes with some expectations. There are expectations of you if you've been baptized. Now, we all know that none of us are perfect. And there is no expectation of perfection or that we will follow the, the teachings of Christ completely and perfectly all the time. There is no expectation for, for perfection. But there is an expectation for some fruit. Right? Paul told us in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There, there should be some fruit in your life as, as the response to your belief that God is who he says that he is and Jesus is his Son and our Savior and our Lord. That there should be an awareness of a, of a morality to your life. That there should be some markers of your life that look like you've committed your life to following Christ. Because if we do really believe that Jesus is who he says that he is, it should change us. That we should live by a different standard. We should have some higher expectations for ourselves. Think about this. If you're a Christian in the room or, or if you're maybe not yet a Christian or have no desire to be a Christian whatsoever... But you believe and agree that Christians should live up to a, a higher standard of morality and ethics and that kind of stuff. If, if either of those things are true, either you believe Christians live by a higher moral standard or you are a Christian and believe you should be living by a higher moral standard. Isn't there a sense of, of peace or relief that comes when you find out that the person you're doing business with or interacting with is a Christian? Isn't there some peace to that? This happened to me just a couple of times very recently. My wife and I have... Um, ben, we, we, we built a house and then we decided to finish the upstairs of our house. And so all throughout this process, I've had two encounters where I was relieved to find out that the men I was engaged in business with were Christians. The first was uh, the building inspector that came out. Now, in my experiences with building inspectors, and I've had several, um, a lot of them have a God complex because they hold the fate of your home in their hands. And they know that you must submit to their power and authority in order to get your home inspection passed so that you may enter the dwelling and live there. Like There's, a, there's kind of a God complex that comes with a lot of inspectors. In my, my personal experience, if you're a building inspector here with us today, Jesus loves you and I do too, most of the time. But this guy that I met, he said, hey, I see that the email address that you gave us says church, like Fusion City Church. I gave him the church address because I was trying to play that preacher card. Like, so like, I gave him the, the, the church address, and I was like, yeah, I, I pastor a church in Kannapolis called Fusion City. You know, you saw it there in the title. And he's like, oh, hey, man, I do some preaching at my church sometimes too. And I was like, sweet, dude's a brother in Christ. Like, we're Christians. And all of a sudden, like, I expected something different of him, and he met the expectations because he was. He was very humble, very helpful, and it was the best interaction I have had with a building inspector in my life. Shortly after that, we decided to, to, to change the financing around on our home. We, we, we didn't like the kind of loan that we got into initially, and so we decided to, to refinance, even though we've only owned it for about a year. And so we were dealing with this mortgage broker, financer, I don't know what his title is. He's a money guy. So I'm dealing with this money guy, and we're talking about church and, and Christians and going to church and everything else. And at the end of all these options that he laid out for us as to how we could refinance our house and all the things that we could do, I looked him, at him across the desk, and I said, all right, look, look here. Let's take the business aside. Christian brother to Christian brother, if this was you and your family, 
would you do it? Is this the best option for my family? Don't tell me what's going to make the most money for you. Tell me what you would do, Christian brother to Christian brother. He said, if this was my family, I would do it. I think this is what's best for your family. I said, okay, I'm going to trust you because I believe that you follow Christ. And we did. We made the decision. We, we did it. We're, we're living that. There, there's a sense of relief that comes by, that comes along with someone identifying themselves as, as a Christ follower. There's a higher expectation that I have for them. And if you've been baptized, or if you're thinking about being baptized, you got to do so knowing that, that it comes with some expectations that, that baptism isn't the, the end of anything, it's an identifier of something. And here's, here's why this is really important. Because when you identify with Christ, you will be identified as Christ. It means that when you make this, this public declaration of baptism, when you declare to the rest of the world that you are in fact a Christian by your baptism, that you become a representative for the Christ that they will see. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are to be ambassadors for Christ. That God will make his appeal to humanity through you. Through his children. Through those that have declared their life submitted to him. You are an ambassador for Christ, Paul says. You are an image of Christ for others to see. I have to ask you, what type of picture are you painting? If you've gone public with your faith by being baptized, what type of picture are you painting with, with how you behave at work, with how you talk to your spouse, with how you parent your kids, with how you handle your money? What, what, what picture of Christ are you painting baptized believer because there's an expectation for you because you are an ambassador you are a a representation of Christ if you have identified with Christ you will be identified as Christ but it's not just how you behave because come on we've all met some people that can fake Christian for a while haven't we hadn't you met some people that faked it pretty good and then one day you finally find out that they're not they don't really live according to what they said that they believe like you we know that it's possible to live and fake it for a while, for a while. But ultimately, how we behave is influenced by how we think. So let me ask you, in these dog days of summer when it's hotter and stagnation and inactivity and all these things are going around, what is it that fills your mind? I told you, it's been rough for me so far this summer. Can I tell you what has filled my mind probably more than it should have? Xbox. That's, that's why I, feel, I have filled my life. With, with Xbox over the last couple of weeks. I just, all confessions of a pastor, right? So I've done way too much of it, right? <laughs> a little more me time, a little less Xbox, right, going forward in these dog days of summer. And the days, they are getting hotter. It's hot outside, which means that the attire has changed, right? Sun's out, gun's out, right? I ain't even going to flex because I lost my guns a long time ago. But also, also... Sun's out, bun's out, right? Come on, you know. You've seen what the ladies are wearing. So let me ask you on both sides, the wearer and the looker, what, 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 what are the more revealing outfits revealing about your thought life? 
what, what guides your decision as it pertains to the, to the attire that, that you wear? Is it about holiness or cuteness? Is it about vanity or is it about comfort? And for the Christians, for those of us in the room that have gone public with our faith and been baptized and said that, yep, I, I live to a higher standard even according to what I think. How long do your looks linger on the six-pack or the miniskirt? How's your thought life in these dog days of summer? Martin Luther, uh, one of the, 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 the key individuals in the, the Protestant Reformation that we talked about, I think, last year, a famous preacher, theologian, it's, it's said of him that he would fight back the temptation of sin and fight back against our enemy Satan by declaring and preaching over his own life. I am baptized. I am baptized. And that it was his baptism that he pointed to as the reason that he should be able to resist the temptation of how he thought and how he lived. Declaring and preaching over his own life. This is something that that is real for me, my baptism. And much in the same way that he preached it over his life, we should preach it over our lives to remind ourselves. Because baptism is a reminder. It's a reminder to, to live as Christ. You can write these down. Baptism is a reminder to live as Christ, to look as Christ, and to think as Christ. And we're not going to get it right all the time. Again, this is not an expectation for perfection. Which, is, which means that because I'm not going to get it right all the time, but that I should want to get it right all the time, means that I should welcome accountability from other believers. Right, we've talked about this before as it pertains to baptism here at Fusion City Church. If you have been baptized, I assume... And I think rightfully so, that you should want to be corrected when you're not getting it right. I want to be corrected. We were just having this discussion a little bit before church. That like I've played on a lot of teams in my life, a lot of sports teams in my life. I, I, I adhered myself to teams. And when I was having a bad day, when I was having a bad game or not playing very well, the coach would come to me and say, hey, look, Brian, man, you just ain't got it today. Have a seat. Let's, let's work on it next practice. We'll do better next time. But for right now, you're not getting it done. And the same way that, that I was part of a team, I was identified by that team, by the, by the team that I made and the jersey that I wore. When you go public with your faith, when you're baptized, you, you join the team of those that are trying to accomplish something for the kingdom of God. You're on the team. And if you ain't getting it done, if you're having a bad game, a bad season, bad news is you don't get to sit out. But you still got to make some changes. And we should welcome that, right? Shouldn't we want to be as effective for the kingdom as possible? Absolutely. Which means that if you've been baptized and your life doesn't look a whole lot like Jesus, you should expect and welcome somebody to say, hey, dude, hey, lady, you need to make a change. Because you identified with Christ, which means you're identified as Christ. And right now you don't look a whole lot like him. And we should be encouraged by that. At the very least, I should be willing to hear you out as to why you think I'm wrong. 
We might, in the end, we might have to agree to disagree, and a lot of Christians agree to disagree on a lot of different things. But I can, I can say this personally for me. I am always open for the person that wants to speak into my life and tell me why they think I'm wrong. And I don't meet that with adversity or even defensiveness because that, that's another Christian brother or Christian sister is trying to help me better look like Christ. And as a baptized believer, I welcome that, and so should you if you've been baptized as well. Because there's a higher expectation for you as a baptized believer. There's a higher expectation for your morality and your life. And if you're with us today and haven't been baptized, here's what you got to know. I assume that if you haven't been baptized, it's because you're still investigating this Jesus stuff and you're not quite sure about it yet. Or maybe like somebody just drug you to church and you have absolutely no plans or or you know, desire to, to follow Christ at all, and that's cool, man. We're really glad that you're here, and we think this is a safe place for you to investigate in faith and figure out some of that stuff. But I think you sh- should consider living as Christ even if you don't believe everything that he said anyway, and here's why. Because it's just a better way to live. It's a better way to live. Think about it. What, what do you expect of Christians? To treat people respectfully, put others before themselves, comfort the hurting, be generous, you know, all, all of those things. Why, why would you not want to live that way? Being faithful, keeping your word, all those things that we tell people they should do because Jesus told them you should do it too, even if you don't believe it's Jesus that told you. It's just a better way to live. But, but, here's the, here's the, here's the deal. Until you're baptized, I don't expect you to. I think it's a better way to live. I think you'd probably agree that it's a better way to live. But until you're baptized, I don't expect you to. As a matter of fact, I fuss all the time at Christians that get angry at non-Christians for acting like non-Christians. They're not Christians. Why are we trying to get, why are we getting mad at them for acting like what they are? They're not a Christian. They don't, they don't live up to the same standard that we do. I don't have the same expectations that I do for Christians, for those that have been baptized. But boy, once you get baptized, everything changes. Everything changes. Because you made a public declaration of something that you believe. That's what baptism is. It is a public declaration of a private decision. You can write that down. Baptism is a public declaration of a private decision. It's a lot like my wedding ring. It's been 19 years. Can I still? Nope. It's a lot like my wedding ring. I'll just show it to you, right? I wear this as a public declaration of a private decision that I've made to remain committed to my wife till death do us part. Ladies, could you imagine, right, meet somebody on one of these, you know, social media dating app things? I don't know. That was way, like I was already married by the stuff those, by the time those things came out. But could you imagine, like first date, you've been talking to this dude for weeks and weeks and weeks on eHarmony or Match or one of the other ones? And you show up to dinner and he lays his hand on the table and he got a big gold ring. Not, 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 the, like, not the skinny band like I just got divorced. Not, not, not the white ring. Like the actual gold ring. And you're like, wait. He's like, oh, don't pay attention to that. It don't mean anything. Right? Because this, because this means something. It's a public declaration that you should have a different expectation for me. As a married man, I shouldn't be going on dates with other women. Right? That's the expectation you should have for every married man. That he's not going on dates with other women. That's what my ring means. Your baptism is your public declaration that you have a different set of expectations on your life. 
to live as Christ, to look as Christ, to think as Christ. Because baptism is an identifier of those who believe, those who've accepted, those who've received. Now, here's a great question that you might be asking right now. So, Pastor Brian, do I have to be baptized to be saved? No, you don't. Baptism does not save you any more than wearing a wedding ring makes me married. Baptism is a public declaration of something that has already happened, much in the same way that I put the ring on after I got married, after I said my vows, after I made the commitment. The same thing is true of your baptism. Which leads to maybe the next question that you're asking. So, so what you're telling me, Pastor Brian, is that if I get baptized, I don't, ha- I don't have to be baptized to be saved. I can be saved without baptism. But if I get baptized, then I'm going to have all these other expectations on me. Yes. Why would anyone ever want to get baptized? If I don't need it to be saved, and with it comes all these additional expectations, why, why not just not do it? Let me give you a few reasons. Maybe this could be your answer. So I'll speak for you answering this question, right? You could, maybe, maybe you would say, I want to be baptized because it's a stake in the ground marker. A bold declaration of Christ as my king. My assurance, if everything from this point goes sideways, that I can look back to the day that I was baptized and say that was a day when I knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus is who he says that he is. I was so assured of it that day, I was willing to proclaim it publicly. That I was willing to to make a declaration of my life. You all remember Michael from the office? I didn't just say it, I declared it. Like publicly, I went public with my profession of Jesus as Lord. Why, why would I be baptized? Because I want to be held accountable for how well I live out the call on my life to honor Christ as King. And I want, to, I want others to speak into my life when I'm not doing that very well. So I welcome the accountability because I know that the mission is that important. Why baptism? Because God has given the mission to the church to be his ambassadors, that he would make his appeal to the rest of the world through us. And I want people to know that I'm on the team. And I'm not scared of it. And I welcome the expectations. I know that I'm not gonna always get it right, but I welcome the accountability because I need the help to live it out right. And I wanna be part of the team that's working to accomplish that purpose. So if that's you, if that sounds like you, You want to be identified as part of the team. You want a stake in the ground marker. You welcome the accountability so that you can better live out the mission of Christ in in and on your life. And you haven't been baptized, then you need to be. You need to be. And, And I'd like to have a conversation with you. Here's why we do conversations. Because it helps us knowing that, that your baptism is exactly what it's intended to be, right? I'm gonna, now, when we have a conversation, it's not a test. I tell everybody when we have the conversation, this is not 
a test. Just, just trying to figure some stuff out, trying to help you make the right decision for your life. Because sometimes we get some answers that, that mean we need to wait a little bit. Here, here's the first, I'm, even, even though it's not a test, I'm going to give you the questions. Right? You ready for this? Like, don't you all like it when the teacher would give you the questions prior to the test? Right? It's not a test. But if it was a test, these are the questions. Right? Here's, what we're gonna, here's the first thing I'm going to ask. Why do you want to be baptized? And, and, and I'm looking for something a lot like what we've talked about today. Like I, stake in the ground marker. It's time for me to go public. Some, something, to that, something to that effect. Because here's something I, <laughs> I asked a little boy one time. Hey, man, why do you want to be baptized? Because I love the water. I think it's cool that you dunk people in church. I was like, maybe we need to wait a little bit. <laughs> like, it's not about, uh, we can, we, do, come to Palooza, I'll dunk you there. Right? It won't be baptism, but we, we can do that. The second thing I'm going to ask you when we talk about baptism is I'm going to ask you to tell me about your relationship with Jesus. Because I want to know that he's not just some whim, something that you're just kind of following or not really sure. I want to make sure that you know that you know that you know. Because when you make a public declaration to be one of his to identify with Christ is to identify as Christ. And people are going to be looking at you to see how well you live out your profession of faith. It's a big deal. And that's why we make it a big deal. And those are pretty much the only two questions that we're going to ask. But we need to have that conversation because we take baptism here very, very, very seriously. Because, I mean, you, you've agreed to some expectations. And, and we want to help you make sure that you're ready to make that decision before you make it. But if, if you've made it. If you've made it, if, if, you're ready to, if you're ready to publicly declare that you are one of his, and he is yours, he, your king, your Lord, then, then if you'll just write on your connection card today or come find me in the back and say, hey, let's talk about baptism. We, maybe we can do it today or we'll set up an appointment and we'll talk about baptism because you need to be baptized. Let's put you on the team. Let's pray together. Father, this morning... I thank you for, for all those who are here today, Father, and God, in these dog days of summer where it would be easy to, to slack off, to, to lay back, to, God, just let ourselves be lazy. Father, I pray that today that we remember, much like Martin Luther, that if we have professed our relationship with you through baptism, that, God, you would remind us that we are baptized. We are baptized. And that means something. There's a level of expectation for us because we are your ambassador. We represent you. We represent the gospel and the good news that others will know about you. God, they're going to see it first in us. So, Father, would you convict where there needs to be conviction? Would you motivate where there needs to be motivation? Would you encourage where there needs to be encouragement? And, God, would you give us a boldness to walk from this place with I am baptized I am baptized, pouring out of our hearts. Because we know, we know, God, that the world is looking. And if there was ever a time that they needed to see more of you and not less, God, it's now. And we pray that you would make us that picture, that image of your son, reflecting the freedom of the gospel, knowing that you raised dead things to life in the same way that you raised your son, God, you've raised us. Father, now will we take that story and go proclaim it boldly to a world that needs to hear it, God, that needs to see it. Let them see it in us. And thank you, Father, for entrusting us with such a great mission. God, participating in what you're already doing. 
God, help us to do it better. Help us to welcome the accountability because we want to honor you with every aspect of our lives. We love you, God. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and the hope that we have through him. In his name I pray. Amen.